Welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work. This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and my friend, Robbie Earl. Robert, how are you? <laughs> how are you? I, uh, I like that. I, I feel like that's, that's fitting. I've been going on this little Thor rewatch uh, with Candace, and that's very like Kenneth Branagh of, of you in delivery. Uh, I feel like you're like Robert. <laughs> That's <laughs> bull stack. Do not mistake my appetite for apathy. Oh gosh, Ravi, <laughs> the greatest line ever written in the MCU. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Do not mistake my. <laughs> uh, I am. Oh. I am. Well, uh, like I said in last week's episode, there's a ton going on uh, in a variety of of ways, and there's so much even just here. Like we were just talking before we started recording. I feel like there's so much Tell that me we, <laughs> that we just haven't had time to talk about. Uh I which by the way, I should say, Candace pointed out in fairness, uh, when we were watching the first door, that Hiddleston, which I think is true, somebody fact check me if I'm wrong, but I, I think was first a stage actor before he got into you know, the Hollywood world and the way that he clearly has now. And so she was saying, you know, that in that first film where we always say he's overacting, that maybe that's a, a part of, you know, you're used to acting in the stage context where you kind of have to be a little bit more over the top to get the performance out to the <laughs> entire audience. And so he's also crazy young. I know. I know. It's absurd. They both look so young in that. I think the craziest thing to me every time with Hiddleston, and we've said this so much that I'm not going to actually go into it, but the jump from the first Thor to the Avengers is just wild in how much how much better he is, how much better the character is, how much older he looks even. Sure. For it only being like a year or two, it's just, yeah. Anyway, but that was Candace. Since we're not going back and, and doing rewatch, rewatch episodes... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to inject Candace's Thor commentary where I can. Thank you. Appreciate that. Welcome to another episode in the mega week of Miss Marvel and Thor love and thunder. It's been wild, Robbie. We do have so much podcast stuff going on so much so that we visited Avengers campus in Disneyland and haven't even talked about it here. I know it feels very strange. Uh, we had a blast. It was magical. And is that something people would like to hear a review of, you think? If you ever want to hear more about our trip to Avengers Campus, message us, question mark? It was very fun. I would have, I would have fun talking about that trip. <sighs> Anyways, besides that, I wanted to go over the schedule really quickly because it's getting wild. On Friends From Work Plus, yesterday, I released a movie club episode covering Jojo Rabbit, which is another Taika Waititi film. Yes. And we put out a friendly freebie on the main feed, which is a sampling of an episode from Friends From Work Plus. So the episode talking about our top post-credit scenes was available for free, for fun. So that was yesterday. Today, we have this covering Miss Marvel Episode 5. And on Friends From Work Plus... Later today, 
Robbie and Candace's Comics Corner talking about Thor. Okay, so that's the day. <laughs> Tomorrow, as soon as the movie is out, around you know six or seven p.m., we have our full, complete Love and Thunder initial reactions episode. That's about two hours long. So when you're walking out of the theater, we got something for you. And that will be this week. Next week, Monday, there will be a new Friends from Work Plus episode. Next week, Wednesday or Thursday, haven't figured it out yet, will be the Miss Marvel finale. And then we're taking a week off, okay? So just so people are tracking, Miss Marvel finale on July 14th, then there will not be an episode on July 21. And we'll come back on July 28 with our Thor Love and Thunder full-blown reflection slash ranking, mm -hmm. okay? Then we're having August 4th off again, so two weeks off there, and then we're back at it previewing She-Hulk mid-August. So there you go. Just wow. so people are, you know, staying in touch with us here. This this week has been really fun on the Friends from Work Plus side. It, we've, we've gotten to delve into the kind of auxiliary aspects of, of Love and Thunder in ways that I've always wanted to, but it's just oftentimes these there's so much going on, like we've said, and there is also so much going on this week, but we often don't have time to do all of that right around these releases. But I love that we've kind of gotten to take on the, the Taika side with Jojo Rabbit. And then we also got to cover uh, these Jason Aaron comics that really, really heavily influenced the movie. So this is one, like I said, with Miss Marvel, where if you are curious about the Comics Corner stuff um, or just getting into comics, period, this is a really good movie to use as kind of a jumping off point because I think Taika does a great job of leaning into the source material. And uh, like Candace and I talk about, these comics that we selected are very kind of self-contained, and I think they're my favorite Thor comics. So if you like Thor, you want to get into comics, this is a really good time to do that. And then we'll we'll come back after the movie and cover a few kind of extra issues and then maybe sort of discuss how the prior ones were adapted and so on. So go check those out. Go check out the movie club. Get all your uh, Thor prep in. This has also just been a really strange two weeks for us, I feel like, because we've never gone to a world premiere and we've never had this much of a gap between us seeing it and y'all seeing it. Right. And have you found that to be weird? Like, I haven't talked about it with Annika yet. I, it's on my mind, and I keep wanting to talk about it, and then she doesn't want me to say anything. She doesn't even know if I think it's good. So right. that's been killing me. You're the only person I can talk to about it. But also, <laughs> because of that, we've done so much Thor talk already. You, you mentioned the Jojo Rabbit episode. You mentioned the Comics Corner. But we also did a full-blown red carpet coverage episode uh -huh. and a... Thor Love and Thunder spoiler-free review, and we did a breakdown of the trailer like a month ago, and we're already finished with our initial reactions episode, which comes out tomorrow, like I said. So I feel like- And the saga so I've far. Already and the saga so far. I've literally talked about Thor for about 10 hours already <laughs> in these last two weeks, and I've thought about it for like infinite more hours than that. And I haven't been able to talk to anyone else about it. So it's just, it's been a really strange two weeks. Yeah, I am very excited for folks to see this one uh, and to get everyone's reactions. I won't say anything else here because it even there is a Rotten Tomatoes score out. I don't even really want to say that because I know some people like to 
avoid that. I used to, whenever yep. I remember whenever I saw Infinity War and Endgame, I made a point to not look at any reviews at all before I went to see it. So Monica doesn't want to know any score at all. Yeah. So I'm not, but if you are curious to hear, like Kyle said, our, our spoiler free thoughts, we do have an episode, just scroll a little bit down the feed and you can find that there are no spoilers at all there, but this is one that I am so eager to get folks reactions to. Sure. Uh, And I won't say anything else beyond that. Uh, And speaking of the comics corner, I was just talking about those Jason Aaron Thor issues. I was reading those issues in this massive Jason Aaron Thor omnibus. It's volume one of his like seven year run on the character. Uh, And folks that have listened to the show for a while know that that is how I like to read comics. I like waiting until they're these collections that are curated in a certain way. Obviously, if you've listened to the show, you also know that I value curation (laughs) more than maybe the average bird. And so I've really for a long time been looking for a partner that we could work with that provided these sorts of hardcover collections or even just paperback collections, because that's what I'm always recommending to folks. But it's kind of, it's tricky because often those are more expensive certainly than reading on like Marvel Unlimited, but also even than just buying things digitally or just buying the smaller trades. And so I always feel a little bit like, well, this is how I would recommend you read it. But I, you know, I understand that that's cost prohibitive unless you go to somewhere like Amazon. And at that point, you know, I would always rather folks support local comic book stores. And so it's always put me in a real bind. But Kyle, we're in a bind no longer. Yes, And this is something we've truly been excited about for a long time. I want people to know the behind the scenes here. We have been looking for a solid comics partner for what, Robbie? Over a year? Yeah. And we've said, like, I don't want to jump into some comics partnership unless this is the one. (laughs) And I've said from the beginning, like, I don't read a lot of comics. So anytime you and our manager, Pete, toss something out, I was like, Robbie, is this the one? Yes or no? And if the answer was no, then I'm like, then we just leave it. We don't try to pursue it. But I think we found the one, Neo style. (laughs) Neo style. Yes. And the one is organic priced books. Um, Our new official friends from work comic supplier. And here's why I'm so excited about this. And I, I really am. I mean, we've talked about this offline. I'm very amped about it because one, folks know I'm here in Austin. So friends from work is is half Texas based. And so is Organic Price Books. They are located in Dallas, just a couple hours north of here. And I really love that because that gets back to always wanting to support local comic book stores. And that's what Organic Price Books is. But also the crazy thing is they have found a way to offer discounts that are at or sometimes below Amazon levels, often below Amazon levels on these books. See, that's the thing. It's actual books. It's actual physical, tangible comics. And yet somehow they find a way to beat Amazon's prices. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. And it even goes beyond that. It's the care that they put into the packaging. Like whenever you get a book from Organic Christ Books, it's been very well, very securely packaged and shipped. So there's never going to be any damage. 
they're comics lovers, so they know the kinds of things that you're going to value as somebody purchasing. It's not like a big box store that's just throwing endless amounts of, of quantity at you. And you're not overpaying for that. That's right. the crazy thing. Right. And then finally, the other thing that I've always talked about with you that's really tricky is some of the, the spots where you can get some of these books online for a decent price. The websites are just so difficult to navigate for whatever reason, often these sites have been up for just a really long time. And I don't think that they've really been updated on like a mechanics front in a long time. And then it makes it hard for me to tell people to go there because even if I know exactly what I'm looking for, it can be really difficult to navigate those. So I know if somebody's just wanting to go browse, it might be nearly impossible to find what they're looking for. But with organic price books, that is, that's not the case. It's a super easy website to use. They send out a newsletter each week, basically, with the new releases they have coming. They've got different pages for you to browse in terms of new releases or by publisher. It's an all-around great experience, and it's just easy to find the comics that you want for a price that's super, super reasonable. And it's local, again. So it's like I'm yep. I'm loving it. It's, it's checking all my boxes, and I really, really hope that people get to go check it out because... I know a lot of people love reading digitally, and I, I think that there are so many great yep. options, but there's really something special, I think, about being able to to still get your hands on a, a well-made, like well-printed collection like this, and this is the best place by far to do that. So here's the thing. Over the next month or so, as you hear us talking about organic price books, not every pitch is going to be this in-depth. But I want you to know that I truly think this can be a win-win for a lot of listeners out there because there's a faction of people out there who don't read any comics. That's me. And that's okay. That's fine. This is probably not for you. But then there's a faction of people that only read comics digitally, which, okay, this may not be for you. That's fine. But I would ask, do you want to consider ever having a tangible collection? Because if mm -hmm. you do, then I think look into organic price books and especially to those out there that are buying comic books physically, but they're getting them from Amazon or something like that, here's an option where, one, you can support a more locally-based company. Two, you're going to get the same book packaged better, potentially at a better price than Amazon. Mm -hmm. And three, you would be supporting us and you're supporting them by buying through organic price books. So I ask if you're in that third category to consider looking into this seriously. I think you may find a legitimate new comic book home. So while you're over there, we do have a couple of promo codes, but also there's a referral link in these show notes right now, see below, and you can click on that link to take you directly to like the friends from work page of organic price books. Yes, so not only do you already get a crazy discount on these from the cover price, but if you go over and use our Friends From Work promo codes, you can get even additional discounts. You can use code Friends From Work per usual uh, to get an extra $2 off your order. You can also right now use code FFW Summer Sale 2, and we'll drop these in the show notes too to get an additional percentage off their summer sale items, which is going on now until July 11th. So they've got a bunch of books that are even more heavily discounted. And then here's one more discount on top of that. Uh, if you use your summer sale code before July 11th, we also have a code you can use to get 
an additional percentage off just a whole order. That's in the show notes too. It will not always be a billion codes, but hey, we want to give you options. So head over to Organic Price Books and use your friends from work codes and get discounts on discounts on discounts. Oh, I'm excited about this. Legit. Okay, let's get into Miss Marvel episode five. Marvel episode five is titled Time and Again. It was directed by Charmine Obai Chinoy, who directed episode four, Seeing Red, and was written by Fatima Asgar. I think I'm saying that correctly. The only real addition here, cast wise, was a notable one, I thought, and that was Fawad Khan as Hassan, Kamala's great grandfather. Otherwise, we had Mewish Hayat as Aisha with a really big role here and kind of the rest of the cast returning as well uh, once we kind of got past that initial time jump. So that is our our new cast and crew for this week's episode. Yes. Let's get into it. All right. I want to start off a little bit differently today. I love the MCU. I am so thankful at how it has brought me here to where I am today. I have such fond memories of growing into an adult with these films. And I love that we're getting new content and it's been so much fun these last two, three years to have new stuff. And I love the character of Kamala. I'm really excited about Thor coming out tomorrow. Like I'm into all this No doubt. That being said, I don't know if it's just that I've watched so much stuff lately. I don't know if it's that I watched Miss Marvel episode five early this morning on my computer by myself. I don't know if it's just that my mind is in Thor world right now. I don't know what, but I felt like this episode was a missed opportunity plus for me. And I want to grade it right off the bat right there so that I can just say that with full transparency. Like I was not feeling this. I feel like this show is losing me a little bit. Like I was so high from episode one and I'm just slowly slipping off the rope and I'm just less and less invested each week, which is a bummer. And I just want our audience to know that I don't want to be Debbie Downer though. Like I don't want to be negative Nancy. Right. I wanted to say that off the top so that if I say negative things, you know where my head's at right now. Right. And that's just the truth of where it's at. And I thought if I say it right off the bat, then maybe we can get into some of the plot things that I still think are cool. And I'm genuinely curious to know where they're going without being negative Nancy about the whole thing, if that makes sense. So I just, so I just, I had to get that out there to start. No, I appreciate that. Um, And I had, it's, it's so funny. We really don't talk about this stuff at all, which I, we literally have said zero words about this. Literally. (laughs) The, the, the text is always like, I have watched it ready to go. Like there's not even like a, 
uh, oh yeah, wow, crazy, or like, what an episode. It's just literally, it, we, we go in as blind as we can. And um, yeah, I, I struggled with this one because I was so high on those first two episodes. Um, and I don't want to walk any of that back because I, I think that I still feel like those were both so great. And for anybody that I'm like, hey, look, see, like the MCU can do so many different things very well. I would show them those first two episodes. And I think most people would be, if again, if it's not your scene, fine. But I think most people would recognize that those are just really, really well-made episodes of television for for this genre. And the reason I say <laughs> for this genre is because if you had asked me then, I would have said, yeah, it's you know sort of in that like turning red, like to all the boys I loved, sort of like coming young age. adult coming of age. Yeah, and, and, and it's done really well. Candace and I have been watching this show on Netflix called Heartstoppers that I think would fall within a similar genre and even has kind of some of the same vibes with like different animations and things. And I think within that world, this show worked so, so well. And then you threw in some really fun, not just superhero stuff, but also like actual MCU Easter eggs that we talked about. But man, like since then, I'm just not even really sure what genre this show is anymore outside of a Marvel thing that obviously includes superheroes. Like, And I think that that's a fair question to ask because... Because I often think Marvel has has done a really good job of being like, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna make this kind of movie, and we're gonna do it really well. You know, like Winter Soldier, we talked about being like sort of this classic, almost like espionage hints of like a, a an '80s spy movie almost. And then we talk about like Guardians being like a space opera, and then we talk about Multiverse of Madness being a horror film. And I think that however you feel about each of those movies, you can see where they, they really owned a certain direction and, and, and went with that. And here, I don't know. I think that's why it's losing me. Like I was so into where it was going and I really loved how, how Kamala's family dynamic fit into that. Well, and I want to quickly jump in with one point here to me, emotionally, one of the only things I can think of to compare it to is Daredevil season two. And it's totally Kyle. different genre. But that, I was going to say like, where like, I don't remember another project. I love you. You just gave me chills by saying Kyle that excitedly. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you going to say that's what you were thinking? The only other project yeah. I can think of where it was two such distinct parts of the show, right? Like there's two right. sides of the show. It's almost like two face. Whenever we were talking about Kamala, her family, Bruno, growing up in Jersey, school, trying to figure out life, I think it's fantastic. And whenever we get into villains, the noir, the other dimension, I'm like totally lost. And it feels like the yeah. hand to me is what I'm trying to say. I'm that like, it, what show is this? Are we, are we doing the hand, <laughs> Daredevil? Are we doing like this weird martial arts thing or are we doing like the grounded like protector of Hell's Kitchen? And I right. just can't – I think that's why I was so excited about the first two and now I'm giving this like a missed opportunity 
grade, which is the lowest I've ever given something because I just don't know where we're at. And especially when you consider historically, these episode fives have been really big moments in these Disney plus shows. I just don't think I was invested enough to have this one pay off here anymore. Yeah, that's, that's just crazy. Cause I kept, I, I literally kept thinking of, of the back half of daredevil season two, the entire time I was watching this episode. And I don't know what kind of weird, uh, mental connection. Cause it felt like such different shows that you were watching. Yeah. I literally, I remember when I was going back through daredevil, I texted you like, what am I seeing? Right. What are we doing? This well, was and, so weird. And I would go even further to say that I, I, I think parts of this remind me even more of, of the defenders and Netflix, not oh. in that way. I think what you were just saying in, in terms of like the two different sides of the Daredevil show, I think that's a really good comparison. And this is slightly different. What I'm saying is like the the part where it, it sort it it all breaks down into this like there there's something kind of mystical and magical going on, but we don't quite really know what it is. But that's okay because it's mystical and it's still sort of related to daredevil's ground level stuff but not really because it's more related to iron fist stuff and it's like by the end of that season you're just like i actually don't even really know what's happening like i don't yeah, once they start like digging a tunnel to another dimension at the bottom of the building it's like what are we guys right what are we doing <laughs> and that and i think i think missed opportunity is so perfect here because like when when we and we can remind people about the full grading scale here in a second but that's exactly what what we mean whenever we rate something there is like sure there are, there are so many ways i could have seen this going like the you know like the grades like, the grades aren't just a b c d i never thought about that you're right like Missed opportunity is the perfect term for what I'm feeling. Because I just, I, I mean, I look back. Because it was comics. all there in episode one. It was all there. I know. It was there to like go with it. And it's like, well, and you know, you can look at, at something like in, in the same way you look at the Defenders and it's like there are moments where it's like, yeah, like if they were going for more of like these evil corporations like within Hell's Kitchen and just kind of an expanded version of what they did so well and like, Daredevil season one, that could have been really great. But instead they went down this super strange road that nobody really cared about. And I, I won't go that far here to say nobody cares about it. Cause I think that the road they went down here is interesting. Like we talked about them going to Pakistan and how it's kind of cool for like at the end of episode four, for us to see her going like back in time and exploring her history and how that interacts with the Bengal. Like, the strange thing about this one for me is I, I see why on paper that's interesting. I just think everything about the execution feels, feels off to me. Like the, the pace, like I feel like we're now, we've, we've now sunk too much of this show into figuring out the clandestine stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's it. I think about how, these episode fives or in WandaVision's case, WandaVision episode eight, you know, it was the main character that we had had investment in. It was them having to go back through their memories or their whatever, like in Moon Knight, right? Like it right. was still Oscar Isaac going through that with himself, ironically. Right. But here 
this is like borderline <laughs> to me kind of expose from Lost and, and real Lost fans know what I'm talking about. And <laughs> right. it's more like now you're giving me Nikki and Paolo as a total separate character and yet it's meant to be carrying the weight of like an emotional payoff of this moment. And it's not even blasting their performances here at all. But when 20 minutes of the episode is spent on characters we haven't really seen at all, and then have that be the big emotional weight, I just don't know if that's the way to go about it either. So anyways, I want to move off that part of it. Right. I, I do think it is a missed opportunity. I, but I don't think it's healthy for us to just like stay on this for 30 minutes. So no. I think let's get into some of the plot things too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, this, I, that's the frame of mind I'm in. And, and I guess my, yeah, my, my final thought that will sort of transition us into the first chunk of this episode is like I said, I see why they're delving into this. And we talked really early on about how excited we were when they're getting into like, Oh, everyone has a partition story. And it it just felt so organic that like if you had told me, oh, we're going to have an episode where we kind of walk back through some of that, I think at the time I would have been really excited. And so that's why I want to be clear. It's not the it's not the premise or the concept, but I think what's really disappointing to me is I think just because of the pacing, because of maybe the two preceding episodes, like I feel like I was more invested in the partition side of all this and the family history side of all this at the end of episode two than I am now having gotten all of the backstory. And that's so strange. Like I've, I've now spent time with Aisha and I've spent time like living in this, this world that is kind of the background to Kamala in so many ways. And I'm just kind of like, okay, well, well, and you're right for me. It's not just episode five that this is all coming out now out of nowhere. It's that three, four and five, we're starting down this road that I just didn't like. You're going down a path I cannot follow. <laughs> um, but it's like, if you go back and look, I think I did let's freaking go. Let's freaking go. Then I did let's go. Then I did a that's fair plus. I think it was right. something like that, right? So I'm heading the wrong direction with this being the missed opportunity then. I, I wish, I, guys, I wish I wasn't saying this today. I really do. Like Robbie and I talk offline that, there's three kinds of episodes. Two of the three kinds of episodes to do in this podcast are really, really fun. <laughs> if the movie is fantastic and we're so passionate about it, that's so easy to do. It's so much fun. And if the movie is bad, but we low key think it's a little bit better than that, or like it's bad in a way that it's fun to make fun of. <laughs> I'll Spider-Man three or Thor dark world. Right. Then it's fun. Like we have so much fun doing that. It's this middle ground where, it's not great, but we wish it was better. And it's not funny that it's not great. It's not like endearing right. that it's not going right. the way I want it to. Those are hard to talk about. And that's today for me, unfortunately. I I think too, just since we we are getting into plot stuff and I don't want to kind of keep coming back to the qualitative analysis, there were just elements of, of this execution-wise um, where like even, even kind of, pacing of the show as a whole aside, I just thought this episode was such a step down to me, like in terms of editing, like it felt so abrupt so many times. Like I didn't feel like they were 
there, like even whenever Kamala first shows, like when we see her sneakers, like I get kind of what that moment should have been, but it felt like out of nowhere. Then like the ending with Bruno being like, you have powers to, and then like the missile coming in and the, even the drone popping up, like in, in every, like, I just, I didn't understand what was happening. Like what we were supposed to be taking away from several moments. It felt like weirdly rushed in some sections, weirdly like non-eventful in others. The performances just didn't work for me as well here as they normally do. Like it just felt like yeah. in general, everything was, was off. And I'm saying that having said that in other episodes of the show, everything was perfect. Right. So Robbie, I don't know. We spend, we spend too much time. <laughs> talking to each other because our minds are thinking exactly alike. Like I haven't brought that up yet either, but were you struck by even like Iman? I don't know that she was as comfortable doing like the emoting crying thing as she is doing the like high school thing that we got in the first two episodes. Yeah. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't think that was as good. I didn't think when Bruno finally did get a moment, which I was bummed that we just are totally out of Bruno world, right? Because Bruno has not been a part of now, like two episodes, basically. Right. When we finally did get him, it felt off. You're right. Like the Comron thing felt really off when he was talking about, like, my mom wouldn't leave me. Like, we'll get to that plot wise in a second. Yeah. But that felt off. Like, are we led to believe now that he actually thinks he has a good relationship with his mother? And like, she actually is trying to help him now? And yeah. then- the performance of the villain, like, did, and again, maybe I missed this. Did Miss Marvel convince her to do what's right in that one sentence? Did she actually turn there? And we'll get into that. Or did she not turn and go to the, like, sucky light thing that destroys <laughs> your body? And again, weird, like, a weird visualization of what that's like. Man, even like her mom and and Nani, like it felt like maybe that was a little bit. It just felt different than what it was. Even the performances were 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 different here. Wow, I am like laying into this, and so are you. But we got to get into yeah the other stuff. Yeah, no, and those are the things I really wanted to highlight, just because again, I, you know, we and we, and we say this because like. We care. We say because right. we care. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and because I think that there's a temptation for people to think that if we say something's good in Marvel world, it's like, well, of course you would. You're a Marvel podcast. You love this stuff, oh, so everything's right. good to you. And that's just not that's not true. Like I, I, I think know. you know, like we can point out when things have issues, and I think this is. It would feel weird to not point some of these things out uh, with how much we've kind of praised the converse, and with nothing else like. I want to be authentic. We both want to be authentic, right? So like, we don't want to come on a podcast and see that something's not doing well and then jump in and like just pile on it because we want people to see like, oh, we're real critics if we actually like it, right? Right. And the inverse is true. I don't come on here and just gush chills all the time because I think everything's unbelievable when I don't. Like, I'm not going to come on here and lie if I don't. And we've tried to be that, I think. And so... Today is one of those days where I, I I don't think it was a great episode, and I'm not going to come on here and, and lie about that. <laughs> one of the things you and I have talked about for years on the podcast now, which is a crazy thing to say because this podcast has now been going on for years, is kind of plot points aside, you know, in terms of jumping in halfway through a story or whatever. Whenever I watch MCU films or even particular episodes of these shows, I always think, 
like if somebody was just over at the house and I had this on and they had never seen any Marvel stuff before, how would they interact with this? Like, how would something like, you know, cause that happens sometimes. Like I remember I was over at someone's house and they were watching like the third episode of Sherlock from season one. And I had no idea yep. what the show was. And like, I was like, Oh, I need to watch this show. Yes, exactly. Yep. You can watch the scene with Sherlock on top of the hospital roof with Moriarty. And I don't care who you are. You'd be like, I need to catch up on this show. Right. Like what the heck? Right. And it's like, yeah, you, you don't, you don't know, you're not invested in the character. You don't know what's going on, but it's like, if it grabs you, it grabs you. Right. Like conversely, my brother walked in the room during the Hawkeye finale. Remember that story? And he was like, why are the villains so jokey? Right. And I was like, Oh, that hurts to hear from someone who doesn't watch any of this stuff. And, and that's one of the things where like, I, you know, we've said that guardians is a great example of something that I think was that for a lot of people. Like it, it was people that were like, "Ah, I don't really care about superhero stuff got pulled in by this just separately great, again, like space opera film. And, and I think that that's why I was saying like the first couple episodes of, of Miss Marvel, I think could have been that as well. They were like, again, I look back at like some of my favorite episodes of like, of WandaVision or of Loki, where I just, I think even if you don't know what's going on, just the sheer quality of it and the gravitas, I think can, can pull you in. And looking at this through that lens, there were just several times through this episode where I'm like, man, like if I were like, if Candace were watching this show and I was just like over here doing work or something, I would have I would just sadly have no interest in watching any more episodes of this. And I hate that because that's not where I am because I've seen the rest of the show and I'm I'm like wanting to see where we go. But that's just part of the the way that I think about kind of whether the stuff falls on the generally fresh or or rotten side for me often. And there are exceptions to that, but it just, it bummed me out to several times kind of come back to that conclusion at, at multiple phases of the episode. All right. Well, let's get into some of the plot points after a quick word from these sponsors. So as we've been talking about, Miss Marvel is in full spin and Thor Love and Thunder comes out tomorrow. And so you need to get your MCU merchandise from EpicHeroShop.com. They have a brand new Gore the God Butcher shirt, which is like a sword skewering Thor's head. (laughs) And it's kind of cool. And they have that, you know, classic Strongest Avenger hat ripped straight out of the trailer. And they have some other cool Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, Doctor Strange stuff as well. So you're going to want to check out EpicHeroShop.com. You've heard us talk about them, but that's because we love their product and we love the people that run the company. If you head over to EpicHeroShop.com today to get your nerd merchandise and you haven't purchased there before, use our promo code, FRIENDSFROMWORK. It tells them that we sent you and it saves you 15% off your first purchase. So go to EpicHeroShop.com today. So did you weirdly feel like simultaneously this was the finale? Like I had to go double check. I'm not kidding. I'm like, this is six episodes, right? And I say that to say, I feel like they wrapped up a lot of the plot points by the end of this. Like, I think that's why the drone felt a little crazy. Cause I'm like, oh, I forgot. 
There's the damage control side of this. And I think that's where the finale will be focused, right? Back in America on the damage control front. Yeah. And I actually am intrigued to see where that goes because maybe that's where we'll start getting connective tissue. Like maybe now that the clandestine thing has been mostly sorted out, maybe we'll get some connective tissue to Captain Marvel or at least yeah. damage control putting Miss Marvel on the radar. And what does that mean for her meeting other Avengers or characters like that? You know what I'm saying? But like so yeah. much of this was wrapped up. Let's talk about the big scene with the rip in the veil. How did you interpret that? D did Kamala turn the main villain around? Like, did she change her mind on this whole thing when she brought up Kamran? And that was her intentionally sacrificing herself into the veil to close the veil and then pass that energy on to Kamran. Is that how you saw that? That is the, that's the best explanation I, I can come up with. I, I was actually being serious when I said earlier that I had no idea what was going on. There were, there were parts like that was a part where I was like, I, I don't one I don't know why the veil popped up at this moment in the way that it did. I think because she struck the bangle, right? The bangle's the way back in. I think because she hit the bangle last episode with the knife, and we saw that vision right. in Pakistan. But then I that think takes her. That's why it started. I know, but I think that's why it started tearing open, like when she came back. Okay. Right. But but either way, I thought that the whole point was the veil opens. Again, I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm asking. I thought the veil opens and then their dimension would consume our dimension. But are we saying that their dimension then is actually turns them into like rock people and then skeletons? <laughs> yeah. I'm not being funny. No, no. I mean. Because like they like disintegrate like Indiana Jones style. Right. But I thought that's what they wanted. Yeah. Like was there some issue with the way it opened up that it wasn't. It, 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 like that's not what they expected. I mean, I guess, but I don't know why. Or Dormammu Dark Dimension style, I guess, where it's like yeah. when you get what you want, it's actually not what you want. But, but isn't, isn't that home? like where they're from? Yeah. So why wouldn't they just go back to like their normal, whatever their normal being is? That's what I thought they would become. It, yeah. I mean, maybe it is. They're just like leaving behind their physical forms. Right. In which case, that's what I'm saying. Did she not turn? Did she actually just like go back home and leave Kamran? Yeah, maybe it was all skeleton. just like a <laughs> maybe it was all like an act for Kamala. I again, I I I really don't know. I just don't think we were given enough to really understand the motivations of these villains or really what was. I don't really understand the nature of of even her relationship with Kamran. Um, Right, like, are they actually mother and son? Because, you know, they don't age and all that stuff. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was just some other kind of relationship that they call it that. Right, right. And, and like, did he... So he now has powers because of her going back in. I, but I don't know what that means. Well, and, what does it mean that she said his name? <laughs> well, and maybe, maybe that's what I mean is the disintegration of their bodies. Maybe it's more that that is them going home, but their natural state is a spirit kind of. And so that was them like leaving this human physical body and becoming the spirit that they feel like they're at home. And in this case, maybe part of that energy went into Kamran and his powers, I guess to help him. Yeah. Cause he wasn't able to go back home as a spirit. 
Like clearly their body disintegrated in a weird right. way, right? So well, they didn't go back home as that body. We know that. And and one thing that we should point out is how similar the kind of disintegration process looks to Terragenesis in the comics and as it was kind oh, of visualized okay. in like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I didn't know that. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's like the whenever you become an inhuman, they've started visualizing that as like you you go into this like husk basically. And then when you kind of come out of it, that, you know, kind of crumbles around you. Sometimes I feel like it's visualized as more a of a like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like, it's more, it's, it's like it was in this where it's like a hard, almost like, you know, like. Yeah. They almost look like Korg for a second. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like a right. hard and shell. Then, and then sometimes it's more like membrane-y, but I think that that was something that I, I've seen several people comment on because given how much Kamala's story is is intertwined within humans in the comics and in the video game and in other adaptations, I think that was intentional. But I don't know if that it was was purely like a hand wave, like, hey, this is, you know, if you know, you know, and that was the only reason it looked like that, or if that's supposed to be some other thing that we're going to follow. Like, I, it, there's a part of me, I'm I'm so torn on this because I don't like those characters, <laughs> like I've said, so I don't really want them to stick around. But then there's another part of me that's like, that was such a weird way of ending this whole narrative that I almost want there to be something more to it. And I can't really, I can't tell which side I'm falling on. Um, think, think about those characters for one second. If this is the end of them, we got a dope introduction to Comron. That's the only one that we had like some yeah. emotional investment in. But once we saw his quote unquote family, they made like one joke literally around the table about how she hadn't been offered food or whatever. Ha ha ha. Right. Literally the very next thing after he, she talked with her mother for a little bit is they try to kill her because they've given her enough time. The next time we see him, they drop in and fight the red daggers. That's it. A couple of them die. And then this is where they just disappear with one line from Kamala. So you're exactly right. I don't want any more of it because it's been a train wreck them in particular. Right. But we almost would need more of it to understand even what's like, what are they even doing <laughs> kind of thing? I, well, and, and so actually the, another question that I have kind of getting to that, the first chunk of the episode in contrast to this is fairly grounded, you know, it's just the building of this relationship. And again, I think, sure, you know, Candace and I were kind of talking about the different ways you can do things like this in our comics corner episode that we were referencing for Thor, where it's like when you have flashbacks to deal with, I think one of the things that Aaron does in an interesting way there is sort of intersperse those throughout like five issues. So instead of it being like, here's one issue of straight prologue, you get little bits of it here and there. And it's like, oh, like, and it leaves you on these little cliffhangers moving you further along to like the big cliffhanger. And it's just kind of an interesting storytelling mechanism. And I kind of feel like if we had gotten bits of, of this throughout the show and, you know, we've, we've have seen bits of Aisha, like we, what was that episode three, maybe the first time we saw like the, the blue arm, so it's, yeah. we, we've gotten some of that, um, but I feel like more of like, I think that those were the best performances of the episode. Yes, yes. 
you know, yes. like her husband, I thought was really good. Yeah, here. agreed. And I and I thought like they had good chemistry. It was like, but it just felt so shoehorned in and yep. not it, it, like out of nowhere in terms of the the episode preceding and the rest of this one. Right. Um, that I wish that that we had had more time to maybe live in it in a certain way. But th- that aside, what was your understanding of? Like we we pick up at the very beginning with Aisha running away from someone. Is that supposed to have come like right after the prior scene we got with like the ten rings? If, in, I don't know if right after, three. but that this is right following after. up on that, right? Because then she right is she running away from clandestines there? You're saying, or yeah, well, I guess who is she running from there, and why does she wind up in this? in this village where she meets her husband will be husband. Right. I know that the guy she's running from is dressed like a British military guy. Right. So I think you're just thinking she's running from the military, but then I wonder if later we find out that was just a clandestine in disguise because she's only truly shocked when she sees them again. Like when she opens the door, she's not terrified before this of just the military and the partition side of it. Right. Before that, she was totally fine to be content in that house, in that town. My point is, I think the only thing that really gets her that freaked out is the clandestines. So I'm guessing maybe that's what that was. I also don't think we've gotten the vibe that she would kill a British soldier because she kills that guy. Right. You know? Right. Well, so then maybe, maybe it's just, you know, she's being chased by a creepy guy. Who knows? So what is, what's the nature of the relationship between Aisha and, and Najma right now? the head of well, the of the gin. So let me back up a second. A little bit of time must have passed between those two scenes because we saw them together find the bangle. Seems like they're on good terms. So something happens between that and they're chasing her. So maybe they found out in between that she was lying, right? Or she was doing it to keep them from going back home. But there had to have been some other development, right? right? That they caught her doing that. So some some time has passed, I guess. Yeah, 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 you're right, because she makes the years comment. I, yeah, I just don't get, like, because they hug, but I can't tell if that, like, she's also unnerved enough to be like, we have to leave. I, I just, I'm so, I'm so unclear about how everybody is tied to the Noor dimension and where everyone, like, why they're like the nature of their kind of exile and, and, and why exactly they have different views on like how and whether to get back to the dimension. Like I just don't really, and and I'm not, that may not be the show's fault. It just may, may be something where I'm struggling to follow, but I, it feels like really important stuff for me to understand why these villains exist and how they're tied to Kamala's family. And I just don't, I don't feel like I understand that very well at all. Also, Robbie, we get another time travel thing. And a couple of months ago, I did a movie club episode on a movie called predestination. Uh-huh. And this is what this reminds me of. Again, it's a paradox, and that's what my brain has a little bit of a hard time wrapping around here. Like, I feel like this paradox in particular hasn't been earned. 
Like, were you super moved when you found out that Kamala was actually the stars that led her home? I don't know that that felt earned enough for me to pay off. Yeah. And the paradox being that happens in 1947, I think it was. Mm -hmm. But then in the future, in 2022 or 24, wherever we're at, Kamala has the bangle, finds all these things, but then goes back in time to do that. Like it's a loop, right? That's the whole yeah, point of this. Like prisoner of Azkaban style. Yeah. But I just don't know that it worked for me for some reason. So I yeah. guess that, that is the reveal, I guess, plot point wise, but I just don't know. Yeah. It's strange. So I guess she's been there again. <laughs> it's even hard to talk about. It's not that she's been there all this time because she had to go back in time to do it. Right. But the entire time she's heard about this story, it had already been done. Right. Which I, I, I'm not inherently against if I feel like, which maybe they, you know, that is one thing that they've set up for a long time because they've talked about the partition story and how everybody like thought that her grandmother was crazy and all this stuff. And so like, I, I would just push our listeners to go visit Lance on Slack. He'll clear it up for you. He likes the time travel side of this and he understands it better than me. So visit Lance on Slack. <laughs> He's the guy to explain it. Um, yeah, I think that that for me was not one of the, like, I thought that was a fun reveal. That was one of the stronger parts of the episode. But okay. I, I'm with you Good. in that it didn't feel like, I was not very moved by it in a way that I think I should have been given how much I've connected to this character in general. But I, I, I think that that's more, again, I, I think I'm, I'm realizing, like I said, a lot of things in this episode, I think were poorly executed, but I also think it's, it's suffered from the preceding two episodes, even though there were parts of those episodes that we liked quite a lot. I think it just feels like I, there's not a clear thread. And so, even where that felt like it was laid out, I don't come to a point where, you know, like getting to this spot, like you were saying in the show with like Moon Knight or with WandaVision, I have some very clear questions that I want answers to. And I don't know that this, that I was asking the questions that the show was trying to answer. Oh, that's a good word. You know, even I if I should have been that maybe. way. Yeah. Yeah. Just to paint a picture of my next three notes, my next three notes were, I feel like I'm going through the motions this morning. Why was the veil opening? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, so on the positive side of things here and then going forward, one, I think I'm now thankful that the runway is cleared of the clandestines uh -huh. mostly, right? For us to actually talk a little bit more about Kamala and Bruno and Kamran and stuff. Like, I think I'm excited about that. Right. I think in general, again, the episode was better for me with the family stuff. So like, I did like the sweet moment between her mother and her grandmother and her. Your father and I had a lot of adventures, Kamala. But I will tell you this, none of them have been as thrilling as being your mother. And recently, if I've been holding on really tight to you, it's because I, I'm not ready to let you go. I didn't hold you tight enough, Muni. Mummy, aisi koi baat nahi hai. I couldn't see what you needed me to see. Okay? I'm sorry. Nahi, beta. Nahi. 
Perhaps this was the journey I was intended to take. One that would bring me back to you. <laughs> that, that was moving to me. In general, I've said this so many times, now that I'm a parent, I have a really hard time watching scenes where like the kid gets lost and is right. crying for her, her mother. That's hard for me now. It used to be like, okay, come on, kid. Now I'm like, oh gosh. So that's painful for me. So I thought that was pretty well done, like that yeah. sequence and Kamala yeah, I think helping the, her. The kind of chaos of that whole situation, I thought they did right. well. But again, just anytime we're getting more of those like interpersonal inner family things, I think that's where the show shines. Right. I still liked that here. Now, I'll add one other caveat. I felt like even that here was not executed as well. Like, again, right. it was better than the other things I was talking about. It's better than the villains. It's the highlight of the show for me. But even compared to the way some of the family stuff was portrayed in the first couple episodes, this still felt like a step down. Like, for example, I was really, really, really looking forward to the reveal to her mother that she was Nightlight. And it was kind of anticlimactic. I mean, I was hoping for more. Am I crazy? I, like, no, I thought I'm, that'd be a really cool scene. I, I was going to bring she, that up. Well, because was it even like, so she walks up and she's using her powers, but that's kind of all, right? Right. Well, she says like, it was you and you don't even see that she's really doing a ton. And then she kind of just has like this smile. There's no like anger or there's no like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. It's kind of like, right. oh, cool. Well, and then you, you don't even. I was like. Mom, that's not the reaction. I know. Well, and then she, she like, you see her smiling as, as Kamala runs off and you hear her using her powers and seeing her, like, respond to that. But there's a part of that even where I'm like, I see where you were going for here, but it all just feels like it, like an afterthought almost. Yeah, I know. To, to me, those moments are some of my favorite moments in these kinds of movies. And that's why it's a bigger bummer to me, I think, than most people. Like, for example... I love how they handle Ned finding out about Peter. Like all the questions and the genuine shock and like you were on the ceiling and like, do you, does it come out of you? And like, you know, he's asking all those things. Like that's how I, I would be in real life, right? I would be like, oh my gosh, you're this guy. And so like, I either kind of want that kind of reaction or I want like, almost like Aunt May, what the f anger? Kind of like, you haven't told me this, whatever. Either way, I like how those moments are handled a lot of times. And I feel like here, it was just such a letdown. Like that wasn't the moment I was hoping for between her and her mother. I mean, go back and listen. I think three episodes ago, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait until her mom finds out and her dad and like that dynamic. And then I got it and it was, oh, okay. And just for fun, if you're bored, go back and think about all those times that the hero is finally revealed as the hero or to have these powers. I'm always looking for those things, the power levels guy. And like, I think about like how cool the end of Iron Man one was with him saying, I am Iron Man and the whole press going crazy. Cause now we know who this guy is for sure. And like when Pepper even walks in on him making the suit, like how big of a deal that is like, Oh my gosh, you're this guy this whole time. And right. I have countless examples of this Think about Shang-Chi, how well it's handled there when Katie finds out and she's right. like, yeah, what the heck? You're this guy? Like, wh who are you? That's the kind of reaction I'm looking for. Like, right. anger or excitement? Not this in-between, like, oh, cool. Proud of you. 
Even even okay. when Thor like suits up for the first time in front of Jane at the end of the movie is like a big moment. Right, and it's a horrible dialogue line. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. My but god. <laughs> but yes, like those are moments. Like that's a really highly anticipated moment. And this is this is one of those shows that has really made a lot of her having a secret identity. Like we've talked so much about how the MCU doesn't really even do that much post Iron Man, but here they did. And that should put it more in that Spider-Man category where that's like a really big reveal. But again, that's where I just, I, it's like we're the first third of the show was very much like she's a young kind of vigilante wanting to be a superhero, like you get so many homecoming vibes. And I like that they don't just retread that, that they then kind of like we talked about how how welcome it is that they spend time in Pakistan and they really delve into like the Bengal and where all this is coming from and, and how the how that differentiates her from other MCU heroes. But somewhere along the way, it feels like we rather than kind of still keeping that original thread and letting these episodes inform that, that has just been lost. Like someone pointed out that like in, in one of the prior episodes, either I think it was last week, she just kind of like randomly puts on the Miss Marvel mask in a moment that doesn't really seem to have any particular weight attached to it. Like in terms of her utilizing the mask, like as a disguise, which I, I don't like that, that moment did not stick out to me on a first watch as like worthy of a lot of criticism. But in retrospect, I just wonder, like, I, like I said, I like that she's getting pieces of her costume one thing at a time. And that continued here. Yeah. And the necklace, right. was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like, I like those things. I just, again, it feels like there are certain moments that should almost be layups here and and they're not <laughs> they're not sure. going in the basket I guess if I'm following the <laughs> basketball analogy <laughs> here is Robbie doing basketball analogies you could have been a basketball player in some other world you're tall enough but uh, I was in high just, school yeah okay good um yes yep exactly I like her getting her suit in pieces I think that's a fun part of the show but it's not always been executed each piece like perfectly I actually right. thought her getting the vest thingy was pretty cool mm-hmm. uh from the red daggers and I like the necklace here I think that's cool but now the runway is cleared I, I again I was so struck by they basically it feels like ended the veil part of this so quickly to where now the veil thing, like that whole concern about the world ending is just over right there. But because of that now, I do think the next episode is where we get connective tissue. I really do. Yeah. And it seems like now in hindsight, the tease of like her powers coming from something else was really just like the vehicle they were going to use, this partition, this time travel thing, just to get her back in a spot where now it's a little more explainable why she has powers and that's about it. Like, I, I guess I was hoping we get more from that, but at least now we have an explanation of why the bangle does allow her to do this. I guess I'm just more interested in the street level damage control school side of this all. And so I am excited to see how they wrap that part of it up. And then I'm hoping it's not a full wrap up and that it kind of teases 
the next Marvel's movie, or at least her interaction with some of these other Avengers, maybe Shang-Chi or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think as I'm looking back, I like talking about what I liked about the, the relationship with her great grandparents. I almost just wish that, that, all of this had been explained in that way. Like, you know, she was investigating her past and finding out these things about her family kind of as she's navigating her own life and, and like working, like instead of it being this total, like she's, she's now been pulled into this other kind of random quest, this idea of her like making sense of the part of her that like wants to be, the superhero and is like a mega adventures fan with this thing that's clearly like related to her family history. And in that way we could have gotten these flashbacks to Pakistan and learn more about her family. And, and I still think a trip to Pakistan would have been fun. And I think ultimately like that's for the better, but I think keeping that a little bit, like we never had to have the clandestine actually come into the present. I think maybe a lot of that could have been dealt with and explaining like Aisha's story and how that all, happened as prologue. And so I, I say all that because yeah, it, it, maybe you're right. Like now that that's all cleared, maybe that's what we'll get is what I was maybe thinking that a lot of the series would be. Well, what um, else will you get? There's nothing else to tell anymore. And, right? and yeah, like and you're going to get some of it and damage control, I guess. Right. Yeah. I just, as you were even saying that I forgot that this is the character who's a mega fan of the Avengers. Like right. we've totally left that aside. That was the whole point of the first episode, AvengerCon. And that was like what I thought was so fresh about her character. Man, the clandestine part of it, you're so right. They could have just dropped that and just done, yeah, a journey through her family history. Because we were already starting to get hints of that in those first two episodes, and those were some of the parts that we really seized on as liking. Right, so I- and, and just as she visits Pakistan, she's, she be, starts becoming more confident in herself and her abilities and like her family history ties into all that and it's empowering. And like, that could have been it. Right. Right. Which could have been episode four. We could have lost episode three or, or made episode three, something totally different. Cause it didn't have clandestine and then made episode five, something totally different. Cause it didn't have the clandestine. Well, well, maybe even just episode three, like the wedding's attacked by something else or like something goes wrong and she now yeah. uses her powers to help or something, but it's not clandestine's like, ruining the whole thing. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, yeah, which again is why we come back to this feeling like a missed opportunity <laughs> because I, I think all the ingredients are there. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I do want to always leave open the possibility that this final episode connects some dots and, and brings it all up. Do you think we'll get any kind of damage control reveal? Like a scroll thing or a tie to Shang-Chi or Spider-Man or... I think or so. The, okay, okay. I think we'll get something. Or Daredevil? Matthew Murdoch referenced it before? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't... Yeah, that's a good... I don't I don't know. I, I think... I think uh, that's another strange thing is, is I think I ended episode three, which I was not very high on, saying that one thing that I was excited about was seeing the interactions between Damage Control and the Jin that they had captured. And it's, it's again, it's weird because that never happened. Like they were being led and then they escaped super easily. And that was kind of it. So we haven't, 
we haven't interacted with damage control really at all since episode three. And yeah, which is why that drone was out of nowhere. But I, I just, I don't even really know where they are. Like, are they still looking for nightlight? Is that what's going on? Is that why they're attacking Bruno and Kamran? Or just that he has powers now? Like they yeah. are clearly looking for people that are enhanced, you know? Yeah. I would, I think I could, I could get really into a final battle between Kamala and damage control folks and how that might sort of expand the mythology and plan to her being an Avengers fan and wanting to be a superhero and having to wear the mask. Well, maybe like, not I, even I a battle, like, maybe not even a battle, just even like a discussion <laughs> would be yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. And that's my final thought, I guess, is Daredevil season three is one of my favorite things I've watched in the last two years. It's that good. Um, they were able to take the hand part and just be like, you know what? That was weird. <laughs> and let's move on and do something different. <laughs> right. And I guess I'm hoping with the character in general, that's kind of what happens that we can always look back and be like, okay, this is part of her origin that she had this clandestine thing and that's who she is. And that showed her her powers, but it's a really awkward phase for the show, <laughs> you know, but then right. she's still a really dope character. And, they go from there and we look back as just like a little chapter that you kind of almost want to be like, not great. And that's it. So I do have hope that the character can still be as cool as I want her to be. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I still, I think that there, this is one where um, I see a lot of potential in this final episode. Legitimately. I mean, I'm not coming in the way that I was coming in for like the Moon Knight finale or like the WandaVision finale where the next to last episode had had kind of gotten me so either amped or like emotionally devastated to to be invested on like a deep level but i think like now that they've they've done away with these villains that i just really don't like and that i think honestly almost everything that i have disliked about this show is connected to those particular characters it's true. I loved going to Pakistan. I loved going to Pakistan know, so much. It's just those characters. Yeah. And, and even like the, the whole first chunk of this episode, like that's what I'm saying. I think I like in a vacuum, like I love the time that we spend with her great grandparents there. And I love the historical look we get. It just feels like it is out of nowhere and doesn't. Right, the villains are messing it up. We don't yeah. know what they're doing here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every time. <laughs> Every time that the main Jin Najma, I think, shows up on screen, I'm just like, come on, don't, can't you see we don't want you anymore? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but now that those characters are seemingly off the board, maybe the only one left is Kamran, who I, I, I like a lot as a character. Um, I think that there's, yeah, I, I feel hopeful for this final episode. So I'm not, I'm not going into this, uh, pessimistically. I think that I'm still going in with, with some optimism. Well, guys, we said this a lot. We want you to know these are our least favorite types of episodes. I'm sorry. Like, I apologize. I hate that. I hate that I'm feeling this way. <laughs> I hate that the episode had that kind of tone. That's obviously not the kind of podcast we want to be. Um, but we also want to be authentic. And so that's what happened there. And I should say, I... My genuine hope was that I would call you and we would get on this podcast and you would have like really loved it 
and would maybe kind of talk me out of some of the <laughs> issues so I had. So it's my fault. Uh, I yeah, did this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why, if, you were, if you would just be a better advocate uh, for Miss Marvel, then my experience would be improved. But, you know, I, I think that ultimately it, it makes sense that we wound up in the same spot. And so I, I, I do think this one formally for me is also, it's just a, a straight missed opportunity. But like I said, I am, I am giving, I, I know that the creators have it in them to, to pull out a let's freaking go uh, in the finale. And I would love nothing more than, than to come back a week from now and be raving about how great the series ended. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully this resonated with a few people out there. Enjoy Thor tomorrow. I really hope you have an absolute blast. It's a blockbuster and it is fun. So have fun at Thor. We'll see you next week to wrap up the Miss Marvel finale. And then, like I said, we'll go from there. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Friends from Wayne.